This year is brought to you by TorahWeb.org. Shalom Aleichem, Abbasai, Agut Chodesh. I think we're all familiar with, with the Ramban's principle that, that he adopted from Chazal and elaborated and made into a pillar of his Perush Alatora and Sefer Vashis of Maisa Ovos, the way we generally paraphrase it, is Maisa Ovos Simon Labonim. Ramban has this in different places. The f- the first time, I think, is in Lech Lecha, when the Torah describes Vayavo Avam Ba'oretz, Adm Kom Shechem, Ad Elon Moreh, Vaknani Oz Ba'oretz, that Avam Avinu traversed Eretz Yisrael. The Torah makes specific mention of the fact that, that Avam Avinu stopped at Shechem. And the Torah also highlights the fact that the Kanani was present in Eretz Yisrael at that point. Ramban commenting on what's the significance, right, that some of the narratives of the others strike us as being inconsequential. What's the significance of, of this and, and similar narratives, says the Ramban, I'm going to present to you a general principle, a fundamental principle, and you'll detect it, you'll discern it, you'll recognize it, even if I don't spoon feed every case to you, you'll recognize it throughout these parashiyas. This is something of of major, major importance. Chazal said it very briefly, very compactly. Whatever transpired, whatever happened in the lives of the others, foreshadows, and we'll see. We'll see in a minute. We know that foreshadows is really an inadequate translation but dictates, dictates, foreshadows in a causative sense. It dictates what will happen to, the, to their progeny, to Klal Yisrael throughout its varied history. And that's why the, the Psukim tell us in great detail about the travels of the others, the chafiras habeiros, and how how the digging of wells, ushor hamikrim, and other seemingly mundane and inconsequential happenings. The yachshav hachoshev ba'em kiluhem dvarim yutarim em bantaolas, and our reaction to that is, what what's the point? Why does this belong in the Torah Hashem? Each of these events is coming and telling us what will be in the future. It's telling us the future course of Jewish history. Because 
when we see something that happened in the lives of the others, one can reconstruct from there. One can infer from there a gzera that will materialize vis-a-vis the Bonim, vis-a-vis Knesset Yisrael throughout the generations. An example I skipped a little bit. That's why HaKadosh Baruch Hu had Avon Levinu go throughout Eretz Yisrael. That, that anticipated and dictated that in the future we would make a Kenyan Chazaka on Eretz Yisrael. Why is Shechem singled out? Near Mazlomizeh, it was hinted, again, we seem to be speaking of inexorable Gezerah, decree, Kibonov yichpeshu hamokom hahu tchila kodem heyosem zochimbo. That that would be the first place within Eretz Yisrael that Avraham Avinu's Descendants would conquer, as what as as later happened in in the Maisa of Shechem, and so on. The Ramban goes on to give other examples of this cloud of Kol Masha Eiral Ovos Isimun Lavonim. The the Rav Zechutzadik Levacha raises a, a very Simple yet compelling question. So where does that leave room for Bechira? Again, we're not talking about the conundrum of divine foreknowledge and human free will. We're not talking about that that question. We're talking about a different, as it were, challenge to Bechira. If, if the course of Jewish history is has already been decreed and decreed inexorably as as evident and as manifest in the lives and happenings of, of the others. So where's Bechira? Yitzhak Avinu dug three wells, says the Ramban, in, in, in applying this principle, each well representing a Beis HaMikdash, and was only the third well that lo ravu aleha, was only the third well that remained unchallenged, a remiss to the fact that it will be the third Beis HaMikdash that will remain Ladari Doros. So where was the Bechira in, in terms of our, our causing the, the two Chorbanos? Isn't it clear that they were already Nigzah? So the Rav answers beautifully, brilliantly. He says, we know in halacha, we know in, in, in the context of Talmud Torah that there's a principle of Elu Elu Develu Kimchai. When there was a stalemate between Beishama and Beishelo as to whose view should prevail the halacha, 
So before the Baskol resolved it in favor of Beisillel, the Baskol prefaced and said, What Beishamai says is Torah, what Beisillel says is Torah. They're both true, they're equally valid, equally legitimate, not equally normative. Beisillel is normative, Beishamai is not normative, but equally true, equally valid, equal claim and representation of Torah. How is that possible? So this is really deserving of, of, of its own share. But just to illustrate part of how it's possible, in, in terms of how it's possible, let's say on the level of Tanoim, when HaKadosh Baruch Hu wrote the Torah, so there are many things in the Torah that are black and many things in the Torah that are white. And, and a lot of that black and white was given to Moshe Rabbeinu, was explained to Moshe Rabbeinu, was presented to Moshe Rabbeinu on Thursday night, Friday night, whenever, beginning then. But then, HaKadosh Baruch Hu intentionally left part of the Torah gray. Moshe Rabbeinu didn't come down from Harsinai with Perusha Mikubalim on every detail in the Torah, some things were left intentionally gray. Does Uvshach B'chav Kumecha delineate the time, only the time in which you say Kriyashma? Or does it also dictate the posture which a person should, should adopt when saying Kriyashma? That a person should lie down at night, a person should stand up in the morning. HaKadosh Baruch Hu didn't Dictate that to Moshe Rabbeinu. That was left that for the for the Chachmei Masora after having mastered all the black and white of Torah, ever after after having immersed themselves so that their mind is conditioned to think with Torah logic, with Torah canons of, of analysis, you'll go interpret it. And there you can have two differing, opposing interpretations, equally valid, equally legitimate, equally true, Elu Elu who left certain things in the Torah open to multiple interpretations. Says the Rav, that's true in history also. There are so many Xeris from the time of Bria Sa'olam, right? Chazal in the Medrash, the beginning of Parashas Breshis, Dashun is already describing the future course as charting the course of Jewish history. There are so many Xeris, but those Xeris, like Psukim and Chunish, are subject and to and are governed by this klal of elu 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 The Rav gives one example and 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 leaves us with the charge of idoch zilgemor. Talks about the akedah. He doesn't mention it, but clearly he has in the back of his mind a comment that the Ramba makes about the Nisayin of the Akedah. Rambam says, here you have 
a man who had been unable to have children for decades and decades. And yet, what he wanted more than anything, anything in life, was to have a child, and not only in the sense that we experience it, but in a more profound sense, because for Avraham Avinu, having a child meant that he could beget a progeny which would become a religious community. As strongly as we feel and experience that visceral need and desire to have children, when that's elevated to a higher level, when all of one's commitment to Avas Hashem, to which Avam Avinu dedicated his whole life, literally was Mosa Nefesh, it's, it's elevated to that level, it, it becomes unimaginably stronger, that feeling. And finally, finally, HaKadosh Baruch Hu grants him, Yishmael wasn't going to do it. Finally, HaKadosh Baruch Hu grants him such a child, and then, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, V'haleyu shom la'ola alachad ha'orim ha'sha'oma What does Avraham Avinu do? Now here comes the crucial line in the Rambam. However, when a son comes to him after having his, after his having lost hope, how great will his attachment be and how great will his love be? It's not something that we as parents, as, as genuine and sincere, as deep and as profound as our love for our children is, it's not something that we begin to approximate. It's not something, the depth and intensity of that love is not something which we can begin to approach. Nevertheless, because of Avraham Avinu was Yeres Hashem, because of his Avas Hashem, he holds this beloved son as little. The Rambam says something extraordinary here. In order for Avraham Avinu to have been ready to actually carry out what he understood to be the command of the Akedah, first, there had to be an emotional seismic shift. It is impossible. It is physically, human, humanly impossible for a father experiencing the depth and profundity of paternal love to take a ma'achalas and to shech his son. It's impossible. The only way it's possible, the only way Avon Avinu could place Yitzchak, could bind Yitzchak on the Mizbeach and pick up the Machelz Lishchot as Beno is if he sacrificed that love that he had. That's the Rav. There are two ways in which total sacrifice is implemented, the physical and the experiential. The choice of the method is up to man. Avraham Avinu, skipping a little bit, implemented the sacrifice of Yitzchak 
not on Har but in the depths of his heart. He gave up Yitzchak the very instant HaKadosh Baruch Hu commanded him. Avraham Avinu surrendered Yitzchak. There was a gezeira to be an Akedah. There was going to be an Akedah. That was Nigzar. Whether the Akedah would be a physical Akedah, that Yitzchak Avinu would actually be Nishchat, or whether the Gzeira would be, or whether the Gzeira would take the form of this emotional, experiential Gzeira, but that wasn't decreed. That Gzeira was open to it, lent itself to either of those two equally valid, legitimate, true interpretations, opposing interpretations, equally valid, equally true, conceptually, equally potentially true historically, but then historically one of the two materializes and the other doesn't. Every Xera is like that. In light of what the Rav presents, we understand some of the depth of what Chazal are telling us in Kol HaMekabal Olav Ol Torah is Ma'avirin Mimenu Ol The person accepts upon himself the yoke of Torah so then HaKadosh Baruch Hu lifts and removes the Ol of Darcheretz all the the yoke of mundane preoccupation. A person was, it's nigzar that we're, it's decreed that we're supposed to live and that we will live a life of being no save all. A person cannot opt out of that. It was nigzar. But that in no way encroaches upon our Bechir because it's entirely up to us what form and shape that all will take. Will it be an old Torah? Will it be an old Eucharetz? The Gzeira is subject to the principle of Elu Ve'elu Develu Kim Chayim. There are two equally potentially conceptually true interpretations which one becomes the historical truth that's up to us we're living through a very difficult and for everyone an unparalleled for everyone alive unparalleled and unprecedented Kufa. The upheaval is total. We find ourselves physically cut off from friends, even from family, even from the closest of family.
the numbers affected by unemployment and the Nisayim of, of die of poverty are staggering, impossible to process. And of course, Ha'ola Algabe Kulana, the loss of life. And everyone wants, we hear this rallying cry. We hear it in general society, but we also hear it within our society. Everyone wants just to return to normal. That's what everyone wants, just to go back to normal. For the restrictions, the stay-at-home orders to be lifted, to go back to normal, to go back to the rhythms and patterns of life. But but a new phrase has, has entered lexicon. The phrase is new normal. We're told that we can return, but we're not returning to the status quo ante. We're returning to a new normal. And at present, all indications are that there's a gezerim in Hashemayim that we cannot return to the old normal. Barring a vaccine, and make no mistake about it, Rabbi Asai, there's no guarantee that there will be a vaccine. No guarantee whatsoever. There's a hope, a fervent hope, and an even more fervent prayer that there will be a vaccine, but no guarantee. There's a new normal. There's examine a shamayim that there's a new normal. But Rabosai, the Rav's Klau, Yitochen, applies here as well. Gzerimin Hashemayim about the future never impinges upon our Bechira. The Yibbalashalom was Gozer apparently. All indications are that there's going to be a new normal. But Elu Elu Divelakim Chayim. There are different ways that that Gezeira can be interpreted, and hence different ways in which that Gezeira can materialize. That Gezeira can be interpreted as, as a new normal. The world now exists with a coronavirus, lethal. To some, Rahman and even to others to whom it's not lethal, medical science doesn't begin to know what scars and potential damage it leaves even in those who recover. That's one 
possible interpretation of the new normal. A new normal which, if flaunted, if disregarded, if challenged, the price that will be paid is unthinkable. But there's another possible interpretation of the Gzeira Min that we have to move to a new normal. The new normal can be a world which is spiritually different. It can be a new world which is religiously different. The Gzeira doesn't impinge Kihuzeh on our Bechira. It's our Bechira that will determine where a tiny percentage of the world population that our reaction can be determinative. Which of those equally true, equally valid, equally legitimate interpretations of the Gezeira will materialize. How does one create a new spiritual world? The new physical world will exist by default. If we're simply passive religiously, spiritually, the new physical world is already there and can continue. It will remain by default. But how do we create a new spiritual world? How do we, how do we not just tweak something? How do we not just change something? But how do we engage in something which is so transformative that it's a new normal? It's a Shamayim Chadoshim and Eretz Chadoshim. There's another context in which we find this prescription. This prescription that we're clearly, clearly recognizing in the current pandemic of not an isolated change, not some self-contained improvement or upgrade, but a total overhaul, a new normal. There's another context in which we find this prescription. Midakia Atshuva says the Rambam, the tshuva lifestyle, tshuva is not a moment, it's not a moment of vidui, it's, it's, it's a lifestyle, it's a mahaluch, it's a process. The shav, the penitent, is always crying out, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, 
Oset Staka Kifikocho is is marshalling all his resources to do, to give Staka to special, special Zchus. Umistwachek Havim in Adovashotobo distances himself from the area in which a chet occurred. Umishana Shmo skipping a line. And and here comes the prescription, Rabbi Again, he changes, he overhauls, he transforms all his actions. So there it is, the same prescription. But did the Rambam just identify the goal and and leave it to us to strategize? Maybe, because after all, everyone's an individual. Even each community has its particular identity. But did the Rambam also indicate the means? Did the Rambam only identify the goal? Or did he identify the means as well? Earlier in Hilchus Deus, The Rambam begins, as you recall, by describing the ends of the spectrum, extreme manifestations of character traits and dispositions, and then tells us that what the Torah asks and demands and expects of us is the blend which leaves us in the middle, the two extremes at opposite ends of the spectrum, they don't constitute, right? There's the word tova, right? The extremes don't represent, don't constitute derech tova. In Halacha Dalad, the Rambam continues that a person should go on the on the middle path. V'yelech b'derech hatovim, v'hi haderech hayeshara. Haderech hayeshara, he midah beinenis shebechol deyo v'deyo mikodeh sheyeshel adam. Clearly, clearly, beyond the shadow of a doubt. When the Rambam in Hilchus Tshuva tells us, Mishana, again, this is his interpretation of, elaboration of the Gemara Rosh Hashanah, of the Dalit Dvarim, which are Makarin Gzadin Shaladam, one of which is Shinai Maisa. So when the Rambam says, Mishana, Mas of Kulam, Latova, Uladarach Yishara, he intends us to make that association with Hilchus Deyes. Apparently, the, the mitzvah of Mahalach de is not an individual self-contained mitzvah, but is a mitzvah which is an overarching principle 
that impacts transformatively every, virtually every area of life. Where did the Rambam get that idea? Chazal comment in the Gemara and Brachas, all the way at the end of Brachas, Darish Ba Kapara, Ezohi Parshak Tana Shekol Gufei Taratzluyin Ba. Where's a small little posuk? But all Gufei Torah hinge on this. Ezohi Parshak Tana Shekol Gufei Taratzluyin Ba. We'll see in a minute its relevance, its connection to the mitzvah of Allah Tavidrachav. Let, let's, let's try to explore this. In a word, what the Ramadan is telling us is that the secret or the formula to creating a new normal is the mitzvah of Allah So let's try to get a little bit of a feel for the mitzvah and, and see how that's so. When the Rambam in, in Aleph Aleph is illustrating the the, the ends of the spectrum, the extreme manifest, manifestations of different dispositions. So the Rambam writes one, the Rambam gives several illustrations. The Yeshuhu Baltaiva Sispa Nafsho Mehaloch Betavosta. The impulse for pleasure, for enjoyment is so powerful and so gripping. So the desire for physical pleasure, for comfort, enjoyment, leisure, indulgence, that's one of the things which is governed by the mitzvah of Allah. The Raman continues with another example. Yesh Baal Nefesh Rechava Shalosis Ba'anafshu Mikol Maman Shaba'olam. Some, there's, a, there's a type that, that a person has such an appetite, such a voracious appetite for money, he can never sate that appetite. One who loves silver, money, can never, never be satiated. Yesh etc. In Halacha Dalid, when illustrating what the Mida Bainanis is, the mean, so the Rambam gives another example. Velo Yikabet, excuse me, Velo Yikbot Yodo, Biosa, a person shouldn't be too stingy, too tight fisted. On the other hand, lo no, a person shouldn't give away all his all his assets, all his resources. So the mitzvah of Allah it's governing the impulse 
for pleasure, enjoyment, comfort, leisure. It's governing the impulse, the desire for money. It's dictating how much stock we give. The Rambam's not finished. Lo yia odam balschok, the end of Perik Beis. Lo yia odam balschok, the hosel, lo otse, the onen, elisomeach. Person shouldn't be frivolous. Alet. Neidach gisa. He shouldn't be morose. Elisomeach. Person should be besimcha. Vetzivu. Ele mekabel, skipping a couple of lines. The Kabbalah is called Adam Seve Panim Yafas. Not to greet someone with leitzonis, with frivolity, but on the other hand, not to be morose. Seve Panim Yafas, with a pleasant countenance. Lo yielo balktata, person shouldn't be contentious. Again, all this dictated by the Vahalachta Bedrochel. The lo Jealous, below Baal Taiva, below Rodef Achahakovod, to be concerned with social prestige, with, 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 with honor and all the other forms of, of, of Kovod Meduma. So everything virtually every area is regulated by the mitzvah of the halach de v'duchah. But let, let, let's step back for a minute. How is it possible for the Rambam to tell us in Hechaz Tshuva for us to interpret the Gezerah which we're living through currently, to change one's entire life, doesn't a person have to have a... To, to implement change, a person has to have a single-minded focus. I have to be focused on that which I want to change. How can I change my entire life? Is it, is it real or it's just sort of... It's, it's, it's words that... that, that uh, that, that, that sound coherent until one brings the words down into into real life. Lots of plans, lots of plans that that, that, that can sound uh, and seem appropriate in theory and in practice. They're, they're not real. So is is this is this real? Is it, is it is it real that a person's working on so many different areas? in his or her life simultaneously. But let, let's shift the question. How is it possible for one mitzvah to encompass so much? How is it possible for one mitzvah to touch upon virtually every corner of, of our lives? 
There's something very, very strange in the Rambam's organization of Hilchus Deus. His discussion of the Midrbeinonis occupies the first two prakim, plus the first halach in Paragimel. And then in Paragimel, halachas Beis and Gimel, the Rambam shifts to v'chol ma'asach ha'yil Hashem shamayim v'chol d'rachecho He shifts to seemingly a new and different mitzvah and focus that whatever a person does should be calibrated initially, not with some kind of ex post facto uh, justification, but should be calibrated initially. Is this something which is warranted by my Avodas Hashem or not? Midabaninus would seem to be too subjective. What exactly, where is the midpoint? Where's the midpoint? How much, how, how much money? How much food? How, how much, the, the Ramam applies it to speech also. What, what's the midpoint? So the answer is the midpoint is determined by the Choma Sechayilashem Shamayim. What's necessary, what's warranted, and therefore justified by Avodas Hashem, that, that, that's the Midrbeinonis. What's unnecessary is, is an extreme, is excess. Think of the following, Marshall. L- l- let's say you have someone who Nebuch barely, barely makes ends meet. If he carefully watches every penny, so then he's able to pay the rent and cover his other basic expenses. But only if he carefully watches every penny. So what happens when he goes to the grocery, to the supermarket? The question on his mind is, is this necessary? Or is it unnecessary? Is it a distraction? What happens when he goes not to, not to the grocery, when he goes to the hardware? Not to the hardware, what happens when he goes to the department store? to purchase clothing. In area after area after area, he's mindful of the same question. It isn't necessary. So is he working on multiple areas at once? No, there's one focus that he has which will surface and would will guide how what he does in 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 multiple areas. Take take, a, take another marshal, a similar marshal. Let's say you have someone who's a very very sore throat. 
every word this is painful it, it, hurt, it hurts him to talk so every time there's an opportunity to speak the person again whether it's maybe he's learning with his chavusa maybe there's some other ben odom lechavero interaction but he's going to measure every word. Is it necessary or not? If it's necessary, so then he'll expend the limited vocal resources he has and he'll endure the strain. And if it's not necessary, then he can't afford to squander the limited vocal resources he has. And again, it's something that will again and again arise and be addressed in multiple contexts. But really, it's multiple contexts, but it's one avoda. It's one focus. The Rambam tells us we create a new normal. We can potentially interpret the Gezerah of new normal. We can potentially be Mishana Ma'asenu Kulon L'Derech Tova by asking ourselves, there's only one focus. A person doesn't have to be focused on many, many things. A person is not being scattered. It doesn't make a scattered brain. It doesn't fragment our focus, just one focus. At every turn in our day, vis-a-vis every component of our schedule, is it necessary? Does it fit in, not bidiyavid, does it fit in l'chatchila to a life of avodah Hashem? Is it something that's worth the person who has limited resources has to watch every penny, the person who has a strained, strained vocal cords has to weigh every word, and the person, the being who has limited days, has to weigh every moment of life. Is, is, is it necessary? And even if it is necessary, is the attention that I pay to it proportionate? Relaxation is necessary for 99% of the, of the population. So even if the answer is yes, it's necessary, but the follow-up question is, is it proportionate? If tomorrow were not Memorial Day, I'd go off to work, and I'd work a whole day. Because the secular calendar dictates that it's a day off from work, do I need an entire day of vacation? Or is it an opportunity to be married by Torah even when there is a need for downtime, 
is there a need for downtime to the degree that I have it? Ram Shalom has blessed so many of us that we're comfortable financially. Each one, Vashar Hushtam. When the Rambam talks about the midah bainness of giving tzedakah, the Rambam's phrase is kafi misas yado. Right? Reminiscent of the Torah is ish kamatnas yado in a different context. What that means is that how much tzedakah beyond the absolute minimum for a person who's in dire poverty, beyond an absolute minimum, how much stucker is not measured in absolute terms? A person can give a million dollars a year to stucker. Another person can give a hundred dollars a year to stucker. The second person may be may be in full compliance with a mitzvah, and the person giving the million dollars a year may be sorely, sorely lacking and remiss in being the kind of the mitzvah. It doesn't matter how many zeros there are in the checks. It's kifimisas yado. Is a person giving to the to the best of his ability? Okay, so a, a person needs to get guidance from 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 a what the balance is between giving tzedakah and and between savings. A person needs that guidance, but the important thing to understand. And the question to ask, again, when we have that single-minded focus, is it necessary, all the money that I'm accumulating in the bank, is it necessary? And to the degree that savings, of course, are warranted and legitimate, but is it proportionate? Is the amount that I'm putting away, is it, is it proportionate? In, in, in the current Tkufa, the Imam should, should have Rachmanus. We should act in a way that that, that, that elicits that Rachmanus. But to make it through the current Tkufa, certainly one of the ingredients is going to be philanthropy. There's going to be Aniyim who need money, and Yeshivas are going to need money because of all the fallout from, from, from this pandemic. That single-minded focus of how much pleasure, comfort, leisure, indulgence exists in my life, is it necessary, is it proportionate? How much, how driven am I to amass wealth is it necessary? Is it proportionate? How concerned am I? Am I concerned with a dignified life or am I concerned with a prestigious life? It's all one single focus. A person is not spreading himself too thin. It's just one question that a person asks at every turn. Is this component of my life? Is this part of my schedule? Is it warranted? 
Is it justified? And even if so, is it proportionate? That one question, is it warranted, is it justified by that's what the Rambam, in recognizing the nexus between and that's what the Rambam sees in this Maimah Chazal of Ezeu Parashat Tana Shekol Gufei Torah Tzluyenba. What can we anticipate if we're macabre on ourselves to try to implement this? Are we doomed to failure? The, the answer is, the realistic answer is that inevitably at times we will fail. But the fact that at times we fail is not indicative of ultimate failure, but on the contrary, that stops and bumps along a journey of ultimate success if, if we're willing to stay the course. Rafutna has a famous letter. He quotes the English, the letter is written in Lashon HaKodesh, but that he quotes in English the saying, lose a battle and win the war. And then in that context, he writes very famously with tremendous insight, Shalom Alech, the wisest of all men, says, Sheva Yipo Tzadik Vikram. The righteous falls time and time again. Right? Seven as, as a metaphor for, 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 for the cycle. Vikram picks himself up. Hatip Shem Fools think that the Pshat Napozig is that it's a chiddush. Despite the fact that he falls, he scrapes his knees. He gets up, he dusts himself off. The wise people, Yodim Heite, they know very well that what Shlomo Melech really Intends in this pasuk, shemahus hakima shel hatzadik, who derech hashev and afila shalom. The way that tzadik climbs, what helps propel him, are the setbacks. Ve'yaris kol asher asav in etov ma'od. Say Chazal in Breishis Rabbi Rafutna quotes tov zayetzer tov. So there's no question that in looking to implement this that we will have moments of failures. 
but we won't fail. If we're willing to, if we're willing to look at everything we do and everything we say, like the person who's living on such a tight budget that he weighs every purchase, whether he's in the grocery, whether he's in the department store, whether he's in the hardware store, like the person who has strained vocal cords, who has to weigh and measure every word, regardless of the context, regardless of with whom he's interacting. If we're willing to approach and, and, and look at life, what we do through that lens, there will be Sheva Yipo, but it will be a Sheva Yipo Vakam. Are we on a madrega, let's say, in terms of money, to ask ourselves that question about every penny? I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm projecting here, so please don't be limited by, by my projections. I don't know that that's the case. I, I, I don't that way. I don't live that way. I'm not saying that that's right. It isn't right. But I, I don't live that way. But even if we can't ask ourselves that question about every penny or every dollar, maybe we still are capable of asking ourselves that question about every hundred dollars. Does a vacation have to cost as much as it does? We do need to relax. Does a vacation have to cost as much as it does? We're not talking about pennies. Does a simcha have to cost as much as it does? Does a yomtiv and our yomtiv plans, do they have to cost as much as they do? It may not be comfortable questions for us to ask, but we are capable of asking those questions. And we're capable of answering them honestly. And we're capable of acting on the answers, not with a hundred percent initial success, kisheva yipol tzadik. But the posseg doesn't end there. Kisheva yipol tzadik v'kom. Not none of this, how we act, what we devote time to, how we allocate our resources, none of this will happen on its own. There's Bechira is tremendously empowering. It's also frightening. And 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 just to try to illustrate what 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 what, what is intended by that. You're all familiar with, with the Rambam's reconstruction in Parak Alpha Filchasavodazara of the emergence of Avodazara in the world. Its initial stages be shall Enosh in the generation of Enosh. When at the time, on one level, they were still, on one level, monotheists, ascribing everything to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, just thinking it was HaKadosh Baruch Hu's will, says the Rambam. 
a mistake sometimes isn't intellectual. Sometimes it's, it's a moral flaw that leads to a mistake. It's not always an intellectual shortcoming. But wants us to direct acts of worship to the heavenly bodies. And from there, the Rambam describes the almost inexorable descent into crude polytheism. Until Amud Shalom, until Avraham Avinu emerges onto the stage of history. There's something extraordinary in that Rambam. Extraordinary. Not extraordinary in what he says, but extraordinary in what he doesn't say. If a person would learn the Rambam in Parak Aleph of Hilchazavadazara, but not learn Chumash Rashis, you wouldn't know that there was a marble. The Rambam describes one continuous descent from Enosh into worse and worse manifestations of Avodah beginning with a monotheistic belief but acts of worship towards the sun, etc., into crude polytheism, and it's one, if, if you're plotting it on a graph, it's one continuous descent. How can that be? The marble had to have pressed the reset button. It has to have been that, that after the marble, things were restored because there was such clarity afforded by the marble. Even Cham and, 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 uh, and Yefes had to have emerged from the Teva different and changed, it must be that with the passage of time, it happened again. But that's not what the Raman describes. There was one continuous, unbroken descent. The marble did not press a reset button. Staggering. But you know what? Maybe, maybe this truth isn't hidden in such a decent, distant moment of history. I'm not aware of descriptions of tremendous hisaurus lechuva after the Holocaust. We are aware that that reaction was triggered by the Six Day War. But it doesn't seem to have been triggered by the Holocaust. How can that be? So the answer is given by Rebbeinu Yonah. Rebbeinu Yonah, both in Avos as well as in Shari Tshuva, commenting on the Mishnah, Hillel says, Says Hillel, it doesn't matter what divahis Avos I hear. It doesn't matter what divahadracha I receive. 
It doesn't matter what momentous or catastrophic experience I live through. In ha'odam lo ya'oras atzma, if a person doesn't take personal responsibility to take initiative to change, lo yo'iluhu hamusarim, no external force, no matter how compelling, no matter how overwhelming, it can be a marble, it can be a war, it can be a pandemic. No external force can change a person. In ain anili mili, the only person who can change me is me. No one else can do that. Nothing else can do that. No one else can do that. One, the, the, the hour is beginning to get late. But if, if you'll allow me, one, one final thought. To try to hold the lens of v'chol masech yilashem shamayim of v'halachta b'drochov to every component of our lives, to every preoccupation. It requires discipline, tremendous discipline. But that's a description. It's not an implied question. Discipline is the bedrock of halacha. Discipline, in the Torah's view and definition of avoda, avoda Hashem, of religiosity, spirituality, discipline is the foundation of everything. Currently, there's a unique application of discipline that we're being called upon to demonstrate. Many Rabbanim are now allowing and Eowipso encouraging outdoor minyanim. Some say explicitly, some say behind the scenes, that they don't really think it's a good idea. But People are going to do it anyway. So let, let's try to minimize the damage. And let's try to at least impose guidelines. No one for a minute thinks, no one can possibly think because it's not true. No one for a minute thinks that those guidelines ensure safety, that those guidelines eliminate suffolk. No one for a minute can think that it isn't premature to be giving guidelines 
when the doctors who are advising us are just beginning to learn about this machla. Every day, the facts of the machla change. It's so brand new that that's not a criticism of anyone. It's just a fact. It's a reality. It's brand new. To give guidelines about how to deal with, with the, this sakona, which is now embedded in our lives now, is like putting someone behind the wheel of a car without his having the foggiest notion of is it safe to drive at 20 miles an hour or 40 miles an hour or 80 miles an hour or 200 miles an hour? Is it safe to drive with your eyes open or with your eyes closed? That's the, the current state of, 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 of lack of most basic knowledge. And yet, these guidelines are being given. And why are they being given? Because the impression that, that the Rabbanim have is that the misfollowing are so restless, they're going to do it anyway. So let's at least try to channel it in a way that, relatively speaking, is less dangerous. Relatively speaking, hopefully, based on what, today, what today's scientific surmise indicates, and, and who knows what tomorrow's scientific knowledge will, will say about today's surmise. And, and what's, what's driving this? What's driving this is our restlessness. Every one of us, and, and I, I must implore you, Every one of us should send an email to our Rav saying, if it's not the right thing to do, don't allow Minyanim because you're worried about my restlessness. I'll find other outlets, other channels. I'll, I'll engage in the introspection. Is it really that's driving this, the Tfilibitsibo to which I in the past couldn't allot enough time to say all of Kavanos. I couldn't allot enough time to that I had to run out of show. Is is it really the Tfilibitsibo that's driving this? Or maybe it's the, the general restlessness and the need for social contact. But whatever it is. If it's not the right thing, a Jew, a Ben Torah, an Oel Hashem has the discipline. Our Rabbonim shouldn't be giving us what they consider, and I'm not being Messiahist to whether even B'diavid it's correct. I'm, I'm not commenting on that at the moment. But our Rabbonim shouldn't be giving us guidelines for B'diavid situations because we are confronting them with that reality. Each one of us, each one of us should be sending an email and, and sharing with our love 
if the right thing to do, if the way to ensure that the, every community has had Leviyas, one Levaya is more than enough, and Achas Kama Vekama, there's been more than one. Ki ein bias asher ein shameis, there hasn't been a single community spared. And B'darach HaTeva, make no mistake about it, B'darach HaTeva, B'chastei Hashem, things have improved dramatically, but B'darach HaTeva, the virus is still out there. And as society opens up, and as not, not we, but other members of society ignore guidelines, there's every reason to be concerned that the virus is going to rebound. We hope and pray for the best, but a person has to be prepared for the worst. The formula in life is you hope and pray for the best, but you have to be realistically prepared for the worst. And right now we're entering a very, very dangerous kufa. As society opens up, no one has any idea how many people out there are walking around asymptomatic with a virus. Prone and positioned unintentionally, unknowingly to spread it. And no one knows who the yochid is. It's a mystery. It's a medical mystery even with all the categories of those who Ahmadan are most prone, no one knows who the Yochid is who might be prone that the virus is lethal. Rahmanulitzlan that our restlessness should expose a single person, a single member of any community even if it doesn't happen in my minion, in my community, but it's that general restlessness, it's that general approach. Our abundant need to hear from us, tell us what's right. Don't tell us what you think you need to do because we can't deal with what's right. We can. Because that, that's, that's the bedrock of halacha. Bedrock of halacha is that a person follows Rebbeinu's orders. If there's a pandemic and the order is that gatherings, and it's not only Tefillah B'tzibur, it's, it's every gathering. Tefillah B'tzibur is not fundamentally different than any other gathering. If a gathering is dangerous, because who knows in which gathering there's going to be someone asymptomatic with a virus setting off a spread if that's not warranted al pi halacha, and it isn't, if that's not justified al pi halacha, because it isn't, because it's premature, because we have to wait until we learn more and know what effective guidelines are, not just what we can guess are effective guidelines. So the Rabbana need to hear from us and need to know that we'll stay the course. They don't need to make compromises because otherwise, we're going to do what's worse. No, we're going to be disciplined. And we'll find other ways to, 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 to 
partially satisfy the basic human social needs that we have. There's a phone. There are all the online platforms. Is it the same? Of course it's not the same. But, but so what? A person can't deny reality. You can't, you can't negotiate. It's not a business deal that you negotiate with, with, with reality. The situation is what the situation is. The way a person is nizzer during a pandemic, a person cannot wait until on the news there are pictures of refrigerated trucks, Rahman with bodies piling up. When you see that, it's way too late to begin being careful. The care has to be when things are good, because that's the only way it stays good. And our Rabbanim have to know that we want to hear guidelines, which are lechatchila, not bidi evid of inkvar, if they're going to do it anyway, so then let's at least try to channel it. Let's at least try to, 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 to mitigate what, 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 what's going to happen. Chazal, one of the takonis which dictate the pace of Kriyas HaTorah is to finish the Baruchus Uklalos Shavatoros Karnim before Shavuos. That through Kabbalah HaTorah we should leave, we should be able to leave the Klalos behind through a transformative through a transformative Kabbalah Torah. We spoke about how the combination of Allah the Bidrach touches upon virtually every corner of a person's life, but not quite every corner. How about Talmud Torah? How about Tfila? So the answer is that when a person's midos are so refined, when a person's focus is so sharpened, so that Mimela, the dividend, will be will will accrue in the areas of Talmud Torah and Tefillah as well. A person who's asking about everything, is this warranted? Is this part of my schedule? Is this involvement? Is this activity? Is this preoccupation? Is this warranted? Is it necessary? Is it proportionate? Such a person, he's gonna that as as he divests himself of all the so much which preoccupies our time, which isn't necessary or which is disproportionate. Naturally, he's gonna be such a person that there's gonna be a reboy in Talmud Torah. There's gonna be a, a new focus and a new appreciation and a new dedication to tefillah. It will, it will be Mishana Mais of Kulan Latova. Kabbalah Satora, a Kabbalah Satora with such a sense of resolve, such a sense of conviction, allows a person to leave the Brachus of Klolos, the Klolos, behind. And Zolgat Elfin, that we should be Zolcha to such a, a Kabbalah Satora Ba'ava to Yeshua Svenachamos. Thank you, Rabbi Be well, be safe.